Welcome to the Courtside Indiana podcast. Uh, we are now on episode three. And the good news is, is we're now on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. So there's going to be two more ways for you guys to find our podcast if you're listening. And if you are, you'll probably be able to figure that out pretty easily. Once again, joined by Zach Tyler. Hey, good to be here again. Zach, um, again, for those who are new, uh, covers north side, north side of the state or north part of the state and does a, an extensively good job, uh, especially in the, the region area and South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart, that area. And you know, a lot of those guys uh, from that area we're going to cover between now and the end of the podcast. So uh, our agenda today, first of all, we're going to start with a little news. Uh, by now it's old news. All-Star Games canceled. No surprise there, right? No, not with everything going on. I mean, neither one of us are experts in this field, so we're, there, there's a lot of hit and miss on when we're going to be getting back to games, whether it be professional games, amateur games, whatever. And, and obviously the state of Indiana, June's a big month. I don't know that I was had this in our show notes when we talked earlier, but but June's a big month, and, and not just for the All-Star game, but for school teams getting back with their programs, starting that up. Obviously, that can be done with a very limited audience, uh, especially from the practice, kids being in a facility-type situation. Um, but, yeah, the All-Star game being canceled this far in advance, not really a surprise at all. Um, did you um, – do you get any – any notices, like just from your teaching, on what the educational systems anticipate as far as when there's any sense of normalcy that might return? Um, I mean, I've I've heard we're hoping hoping to get things back up and running when the fall comes around, uh, but but as far as I've heard, that's even kind of still up in the air. And so there, yeah. Go ahead, finish. That yeah, and, and what what that will involve even in the fall. Uh, I've heard of maybe potentially starting schools sooner, uh, more extensive summer school programs going into the, into the beginning of the next school year uh, and even just starting normal and hoping things will be better on knowing that kids will have that backward slide that they usually do in the summer, but even longer now. Yeah, that's a, that's that, that, that last thing you said is a, is an entirely different topic altogether. And I think the younger these guys are, freshmen, sophomores, the, the tougher it's going to be for them to um, just step right in to new, um, you know, to, to new classes and be caught up. So, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what, what the state does with that. But Oh, for sure. You know, things like the All-Star team, they have, they have commitments they have to make, financial commitments, and those – require more time than, you know, smaller events that use smaller venues, you know, they have to make a decision. And there's a lot of moving parts in the all-star team. There's a lot of moving parts on any type of, any type of bigger entity. And they, they, some people criticized the, the, the organizers of the all-star team for canceling so early, but it's just, you know, it's such a small window now with a lot of these kids going to college in June, especially the Division One kids, and it's, you know, they they don't have much time to begin with. So, you know, not a surprise, but disappointing. It's one more thing for these seniors to not be able to do, and, you know, I guess we're going to kind of move on, and that's what we're doing here. We are we're moving on to Mr. Basketball. We We do need to touch on that. We talked last week about at least my vote, um, I did vote for Tony Perkins, but but had Leal second. And, and really, that's – you really couldn't go wrong with either one. And But also expressed that Leal, I thought, was the favorite to win. I thought you were on that same page, right? Yeah, we kind of discussed that, being from Bloomington, going to the hometown school of IU there, just, just kind of the, the way that things were going to go, it seemed like. And that it's funny you you mentioned the the hometown the the Bloomington aspect of that the IU aspect of that you know it seems like every year there's 
so especially now with social media being such a prevalent form of communication, there's always there seems to be each year people complaining about the award being biased. And and every year I take the social media and sort of rebut certainly the people that I know or familiar with uh, personally when I see it. But it, it's probably the most democratic process we have with with a team like this. The the Mr. Basketball Award, and unless I'm unless there's something going on behind the scenes that I'm not aware of, is a straight vote. And we talked about it a little bit last week. People who have a vote, which is our high school coaches and members of the media, they vote for three people. And the, the first place votes gets three points, second place votes gets two, and third place vote gets one. And the guy with the most points at the end of that is Mr. Basketball, and the guy who's second is second. And, and unfortunately, there's no points for second. I mean, well, there are, but in terms of actually winning the award, there's only, with a few occasions, just one winner. And it's it's um, it's not biased toward Indiana, the, the university. It's not biased toward Central Indiana. Um, beyond the fact of however many voters there are that may or may not put importance on those things. Certainly, there's a lot of there's a lot more people centered around the Indianapolis area who have votes. Um, it's it's not a it's not a majority. But there's more people in Indianapolis area who have a vote than, say, people in the region or people in Evansville. Or, but but the rest of the state still outweighs it. Um, but there is a certain, I say, emphasis put on Central Indiana teams sometimes because, as much as they play each other, and knock each other off. Class basketball has shown this is where much of the power in the state is from a basketball perspective short of some pockets in other parts of the state from year to year. Um, I think that shows in championships, and it also shows in college success. But it's, it's, not, it's not a situation where someone's given the award. It's earned through votes. And if your guy won by one or he won by 60, um, that voting process is, is still the same. And if whenever somebody says a player – got screwed um, from winning, that tells me that they assume, they're implying that everybody else or the winner didn't deserve any vote. Um, because, you know, if you get 60 votes and, and the guy who wins got 100, you, you wouldn't care if that guy got 59 votes because you'd have 60 and you'd win. But it's that 61st vote that puts him over the top that all of a sudden your guy gets screwed. Right. And that's the that's the part of it I don't like, and it's no different. The guy we want sometimes doesn't always win. The guy we think should win doesn't always win. In this case, there were I, I thought there were three pretty viable candidates. Um, yeah, I would agree. And 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 no and no different than choosing a team. You know, there's the, the broader that list gets, the more people deserve to be on it, and the, the more people who probably feel like they were snubbed or omitted and. And, you know, but these these lists, there has to be the end of a list. It can't be endless. So that's kind of where we are. In this case, it's a list of one. Anthony Lee, Anthony Leal won it. He, he deserved it. He deserved every vote he got. And he's the 2020 Mr. Basketball. Unfortunately, he just doesn't get to play an all-star game. So um, it's pretty <laughs> unique. <laughs> Still kind of sad about it all. <laughs> yeah, definitely weird. It leaves a weird taste in your mouth to not get the – get a put a cap on the season like that yeah and I had gotten to a point where I wouldn't go to the games in, unless it was a class that I was directly involved with and and sometimes I'm more interested in the junior games than I am the all-star team but you know it still is it's a rite of passage for some of these guys and it's it's something they look forward to it's it's something that they that they, um, you know, I don't know, it's just a goal. And it's too bad. You know, we're harping on some of this stuff as we've gone week to week on the things that we're missing out on because of because of COVID-19 and the shutdowns that it's creating. And, and this is one of them. There's, there's more important things that are happening in the world than this. But when you're 18, 19 years old, um, you've worked 
12 years or, or more, you know, for something, um, you, you lose out on the opportunity to do it. You'll never get it back. And, you know, it's, it's luckily he'll, he'll get to move on to college and, and these guys will all have opportunities to have really good college careers. Moving on to the junior class and not the junior all-star team, just something a little different. We're going to touch on some kids now, starting with Zach, um, that are maybe a little under the radar. We're going to start with him. He's going to, we're going to name him off individually. We're going to work in some kids in Southern Indiana as well. But Zach, who do you got first? Uh, the top of my list, I have uh, Kumari Peterson, actually, out of Gary Westside. He's a starting point guard for them, and I feel like he's not getting much attention, the, the kind of attention he maybe should be. Uh, they have Jalen Washington, obviously, sophomore who was out last year with ACL injury, who's getting a lot of attention, top player in the country potentially. Uh, but Kumari's game is just outstanding, just a really good floor general. Uh, can shoot it, can finish, good decision maker, just a, a really all-around good player. And I don't, I just don't feel like he's getting that much attention, like I said, from Gary Westside. Uh, How does he compare to a couple of other kids that we've talked about? Um, sure, like a Gus or like a Luke Brown type player? No, I mean, even, even guys up in that, uh, well, maybe not – too many guys in that area, but but like Keon Thompson, for example. I know they're not necessarily the same position, although I'm sure Keon still acts as a primary ball handler quite a bit. But how does he compare to that, like that type of player? Yeah, uh, Kumari, I feel like he could be more of a one at the next level as opposed to Keon maybe being relied on now and then to be a one at, at, at the second level. But uh, he's more of a two, I would think, maybe. With the size difference, Kumari's a little – Shorter, good build smaller. still though. Yeah, a little a little smaller. Uh, but yeah, like Keon Thompson, I feel like is he's more of a a score first kind of guy, as opposed to Kumari, who can he can score when you need him to, but he's also very unselfish with the ball. Uh, good decision maker, like I said. Also, do we do we know much about his recruiting? Uh, recru recruiting wise, he's looking at uh, an offer from New Orleans. But other than that, I don't see much going on with him right now. And they, of course, you, you texted me earlier tonight, and it's a kid that I know a little bit about, especially with his uncle. Uh, Krishan Christmas uh, has, has transferred back to Gary West. He's um, He had played we – we both had to look this up. He played at Tees Valley Christian High School in West Virginia, which is a prep school. Uh, he had played at Gary West as a freshman and then left – uh, to go to prep school, and and I think that was sort of just to change up his outlook academically. Um, good kid, I think he was he was just probably needing some more focus, and and a, and a lot of kids like that will go prep school route because it's a it, it offers him a different environment, and that's you know. But now he's back. He tore his ACL earlier in the year, earlier in the school season. And and now he's back and plans on or plans on going to Gary West. I think he's already enrolled. Um, he's a kid that really improved skill set over the last year or so. And when he was a freshman, it was clear how athletic he was. His length uh, was impressive. I think he's got a lot of physical tools that it takes to play at the Division One level. He's got offers right now from Ohio, Stetson, and DePaul. And he is had a, you know his jump shots looking a lot better, but I, I think that how he recovers clearly will will play a big role in how the rest of his recruiting goes. But now it'll be interesting to see what they add with Jalen Washington or what they have now with Jalen getting back healthy as well. They'll have two kids coming back from major injuries. Um, you know they'll they'll need <laughs> Kamari again. They'll need to have another. Who was the other junior that they had, uh, or the other player that they have up there? Oh, that's a good question. Kumari, uh, Christmas, and uh, what's the other guy's name? I, it's slipping my mind right now. 
Yeah, I threw um, that curveball. I shouldn't. Have... The Rob, this Robertson kid, right? Is that who you're thinking of? I'm gonna check real quick. Roberson. The um yeah, Paris Roberson. Yeah. And then uh or Perry and Roberson. Which one is it? It's one of them. It's one of them. Um but they pretty much have everybody back. I guess that's where I was going with that. And they've got good size to go with Jalen. Um and then they've got those that they've got Kamari who who I really liked in June when I got a chance to see him play. I don't know if I've ever had a chance to see Jalen Washington play. Every time I get every time I go, he's hurt. I went to watch him play at the the Charlie Hughes shootout in June last year. And the game I went to, he sat out because he was he had a little sprain. And so I didn't get a chance to see him play there yeah, either. So. I haven't got to see him play either. Um kid down here. Shamar Avance from um, Lawrence North, a point guard, probably a lot like Kumari from Gary West in terms of his size. Um, he's a little bit, a little undersized. I, I don't know. I, he's not really undersized. I mean, he's six feet, and he's got an offer from IUPUI. I love how he runs a team. He is definitely a pass-first point guard. He's not a guy where the ball sticks in his hands at least not during the school season. Uh, he, he's a kid who's shot. His outside shot's improving every time I see him. I mean, I, I don't see LN as much as you would think. I mean, I see, I saw them probably play four or five times this year, and it just seemed like each time he got a little bit better. And, and as much as Tony Perkins puts them on his back at times, and as, as much as Hughes can be a difference maker for them in, in terms of his abilities at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, Shamar runs the show, and he distributes the ball, you know, extremely well. C.J. Gunn, obviously, is another scoring option for them, for Lawrence North. And I, I think Shamar is going to be a kid that, um, that I mean, he's not going to – he's going to get more opportunities from a scholarship-wise. Um, IUPUI has jumped on board. Their program's a little bit in flux right now. But whoever gets that job – they're going to figure out pretty quickly that they they need to stick with Shamar because I think he's a great kid at that level. Sure. Who do you got? Who else do you got up there? Uh, I wrote down Chris Mantis's name, six six yep. shooter from uh, Lowell. But but looking at his offers, you see Bellarmine on there, and then of course you see Ball State, Incarnate World, and then you see that uh, Missouri Valley offer from Valpo, and you know I think that's that's probably a good spot for him at that that level. For Chris, the way he shoots the ball, uh, unselfish also, not afraid to put the ball on the floor to get to the basket, uh, can rebound some, but just his his range remind is just is crazy. Also, can just shoot it. I think what hurts him is his strength, and and that's and that's not uncommon. I mean, we we talked last week. Uh, we a, a lot of freshmen, a lot of kids that are this age need to get stronger. And but they look at him compared to other kids in the class, and sometimes it becomes this class is so deep. We've touched on this a couple of times in our first two podcasts. Yep. yep. This class is so deep. It, it's not just about hey, is Chris good enough? It's it's that there's, or is, is Chris what they're looking for? It's just, there's other guys at that position that are a little bit more developed physically. Sure. And a little and a little bit easier to see and and. And certainly they could take a chance and, and offer multiple guys at, at the same position, but a lot of schools don't do that. I, I've known Chris since he was a seventh grader, and uh, he came down for a workout, and he was this five-foot-seven-inch seventh grader, and, and the guy coaching that team is a friend of mine. He, you know, it's a long way to drive if you're not real sure how much for, for a summer team, if you're not real sure how much a kid's going to contribute right away. And, and, and my thing was, look, this, this kid's not – going to be five seven forever he's going to be huge definitely you know or or at the very least tall and long um knew a little bit about his brother um his dad who's not the guy you see who's married to his mom right now um his dad's six eight played division one basketball um it it was pretty clear to see that chris was was going to eventually grow and and be bigger than his brother or taller than his brother right and it's played out that way but yeah I, i love his game 
and um, he's just in a class where there's a lot of guys at that at the two and the three spot who are division one who are division one caliber kids and, and obviously a lot of them are high major kids and and right now from an attention standpoint that's what he's competing with yeah so, no doubt um i want to move down to landon langdon hatton down at north harrison this is a kid that um has really improved just his his quickness his agility six nine and thick i mean he's he's built really well and he's a kid that his his face-up game has kind of been there um and his his post-up game's been there he's it's just transitioning from one to the other and it's watching him improve his mobility and watching him be able to play both levels in a single possession. And what I mean by that is the screen and roll game or screen and pop game, or, or maybe handoff into a post up um, where he's, where he's dribbling into a handoff and then he's rim running into a post up His ability to trans to transfer to transition from one play to the next in the half court has really caused his stock to go up. I mean, he's his recruiting right now. He's got the one Missouri Valley offer with Evansville and then two other mid-major offers from the Mac ball state and Ohio. And then he's got Furman Lehigh and Wofford. And, you know, those schools, those Mac schools are going to, are going to end up getting, you know, or Evansville, you know, those guys are going to end up getting a 6'9", 6'10", kid, because he still looks like he could grow a little bit, who they'll be able to run some offense through him. And if you've watched North Harrison, I've watched a little bit of them on tape, on video, and he's not he's not afraid to take three-point shot. It looks good coming off his hands. Um, but he's going to be a guy that they can run some offense through and, and – Guys like that, there's not a whole lot of that type of size at the mid-major level these days. But I like him as a kid to keep to keep an eye on. In that class, there's not a ton of size. Uh, so he's a little bit different. And I think early on, that's kind of what he was. He was different than most. And taking a chance on him, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that he's gotten the attention in-state that he's deserved. I know 15 and under, and maybe even a little bit, at 16 and under, he played out of state for an out of state team, and I think he's finally gotten to a point where he's he's in a comfortable situation on a good team with with just Indiana kids, and so hopefully we get a chance to have this summer and he gets a chance to get some more exposure because I think he's going to be good. So, is he? That go, go, would you say he's a true kid? post player? Sorry, I mean he can be. Yeah, I mean the way the way posts are used now. Yeah, he's a kid that um, that I mean. Yeah, he can post up, no question. He's a back. He can play with his back to basket. Now, how effective he is against guys his own size, I've not had a chance to see that yet. I'm not entirely sure if he's had a, too much of a chance to play against that, with the exception of maybe of going up against Kaufman right, at right. Silver Creek. But you know, his ability to face up and just make a play or, or dribble into a play, I think that's where the game is going, and or not going is gone. And a, and a big man who can do those things becomes enticing. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see some multi-bid leagues get involved with him, especially if he can show an ability to guard on a perimeter, even just things like ball screens, being able to hedge and get back, being able to blitz, get back, right. being able to, to, you know, get if he gets caught in a switch, can he at least push the, push the ball to help? And... It, you know, if he can start answering those questions, then I think you're going to start seeing, you know, some mid-plus leagues looking into him. And, and that's where you start getting in the Atlantic 10, you know, leagues like that. The, you know, the America, uh, the, um, oh, the Missouri Valley used to be that conference. Um, now, I'm, Conference USA, I'm having a brain lapse here on where some of these other conferences are, at least in the eastern part of the country. But, but, um, you know, the Atlantic 10 would be, you know, would be a situation like that where they're usually getting multiple teams in every year. So he, he fits in well with, with that conference. And certainly with the Missouri Valley and the Mac, he's great at that level too or has a chance to be great at that level. Your, your turn. Go with one. Um, 
I saw him last year. I didn't see him this year, his junior year, but I'm I'm uh, going to go with Michael Ely, Fort Wayne Snyder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know he's kind of been under the radar for some other people as well. He's got Miami, Ohio offer, IUPUI, Evansville, and Ball State. Uh, can play on the ball, off the ball, whichever they need when I saw him. He's 6'4", I think, is what they have him listed at. Uh Decent shot. I he I think he handles the ball pretty well also. The times I've seen him, he gets he shoots it well and he gets downhill well. Yeah. I, he kind of has the same issue with Manis. Yeah, I would agree. In that this class is so loaded at this position that he's just in competition with a lot of kids for scholarships. And now he's got a good scholarship base with him, you know, for him. For a kid that we just said that about, I mean, Ball State, Evansville, IUPUI, Miami of Ohio, there's there's going to be more. Um, he is stronger than, I mean, he's on the strong side of uh, among this group of kids. Right. And he's going to be a kid that, that's going to be an asset for him. And I, I like his outside shot. I think if he was, I think if, Fort Wayne Snyder would have had to have cha- had a chance to play in the regional, and and maybe got had a, and maybe gotten by Carmel. I think it really would have been a big deal for him. This is one kid that was really really hurt by the shutdown, because that was going to be his stage. I mean, he had a tremendous year, and it's a kid I've seen play a decent amount, both school ball and the summer, and you know it was going to be a chance for him to really to really break through. And, and show something. And there would have been no shame getting, you know, if they, I assume that I'm sort of placing them in the championship game of the regionals against Carmel. That's what we discussed when we, yeah. at least yeah. that was my view. Right. You know, there, if he, if he could have had a kind of game that really made that game tight and exciting down the end, he would have been able to, he would have left a lasting impression, even if they, they weren't going to win, but him and Duff together, those are two tough matchups. Those are two kids with size at Definitely. their position. Definitely. Who who are skilled. And they it would have been a hard it would have been a tough match for Carmel to to get through those two guys. And and that would have been a big showcase for Ely. So that I, I like that pick. Um there's just a lot of kids at that spot. And so when you start talking about guys like Pierce Thomas and Jade Jaden Taylor, who have already committed to Butler, you talk about Blake Wesley, who's who's committed or not committed, he, but he's got Big Ten high major offers. Um, that's the kind of guy he's competing with, not just in terms of scholarship, but per this conversation, he's competing for attention. Right. So that's that's a great pick. Um, talk about a guy competing for attention is Cooper Jacoby. And again, another one of those wings. And, you know, Cooper on a state championship team, definitely Silver Creek's – there's no shame in saying he's their second best player. Um, but he's – in my mind, he's one of the top ten players in the class. Now, I think once you get down past the first five or six, that list starts to get a little subjective. But he's a kid at 6'6". Six, six. His, his shot mechanics are improving. They're not the strong part of, strongest part of his game. He can post up matchup, positive matchups. He's definitely good off the drive. He gets second chance points. Uh, he he defends multiple positions, and I think he his motor is endless, and that's one thing I love about him. And he's a kid that, I mean, right now he's got offers from Ball State, LaSalle, IUPUI, Indiana State, Miami of Ohio, and Akron. So he's definitely a solid mid major guy. And I don't know that he's a high major wing. He, he's a guy that will, will be that kid when he's a junior and senior that has great gains, and you're wondering, you know, why didn't maybe a Big Ten school take a chance on him? That's kind of my perception of it. Right. Just because he plays with such intensity that I, I think he he gets himself in a gym. And, and right now I would say his weakness is is his outside shot. And that's not to say it's a bad outside shot. It's just that it's not, it's just not automatic. And he's a kid that can create off the dribble as well. Um, I just think he does a lot of nice things on the floor. And it's a kid that 
obviously t- people, a lot of people are in the gym watching Trey. A lot of people write about Silver Creek. They write about him. Um, I will say a good friend of mine, Joe Ledbetter, has been touting this kid since he was in middle school. And, and you know, he's lived up to it. And he's he was brilliant against Fort Wayne Blackhawk in the uh, Southport game at the beginning of the last December. He, he single-handedly kept them in the game while Trey was battling foul trouble. And basically Caleb first was, was dominating the first half. And Cooper came in or, and really shut first down and made it tough for him in the second half. And, and Silver Creek eventually over, overcame their deficit, came back and won relatively handily. But, but yeah, Cooper's a kid I like on this list and, and probably the most visible of the bunch just because he gets the chance to play with Trey, but he also gets a chance to play in Trey's shadow from, from time to time. Yeah, what do you got next? And he's Zach. So, he's somebody oh, go I need. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I need to get to watch this summer, this summer if possible. We he was on my list, and we talked about him before. So I hopefully, hopefully, summer works out for us here. Yeah, uh, I yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 that'll be our thing on every one of them. We'll come back <laughs> to this, and we'll be like, yeah, hopefully we get hopefully, a chance to see him play yeah. in the summer. Uh, somebody else on my list. I think he's. Maybe not so much under the radar, just a, a kid I like. I know we've kind of discussed him before, and, and I think I'm a little higher than you are on him, but it's uh, Brooks Barnheiser from Lafayette yeah. Jeff. Uh, looking at offers, we're, we're talking Butler, Xavier, Northwestern as his bigger big-time ones over like Western Kentucky and Evansville and Ball State. Uh, probably follows in the same category we've been talking about the, our other guys is the – playing behind guys that maybe are better than, than him at the position. Uh, I mean, Brooks runs a show a lot of times for Lafayette and can handle it well for being this six, six and can shoot the lights out of the ball. Also uh, not afraid to go in and rebound, obviously. And he's a capable passer. So he's got a lot to his game. Well, he's a lot like his dad at that age. He's got a clip on him. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> And I, I, in my early, in my teens and early twenties, I had a chance to p- get to play basketball with his dad a lot. And it's more like running laps at that point, because as, as much as coach Barnheiser likes to shoot, but that's not exactly a mystery to anybody that's ever played with him. But, but now, and then to his credit, his, both of his kids can really shoot the ball. And no, oh, definitely Brooks, you know, that that's one of those things where, you know, I look at a team that, I mean, I'm a I'm a man a man snob, and I, I look at a team that relies as much on a one three one as they do, and and wonder, you know, what, how well can some of these guys guard, you know, ind- individually? Uh, definitely. And and so that that's sort of the question that has to get answered with him. Now, offensively, he's probably as complete as anybody in the, in this class, and he, he's proven that statistically. I think he proves that with the skill set he he plays under control, um, and his offer. I mean, the Butler offer was was a good one, and I think they they see a kid that comes in and and probably is is more physically advanced, definitely more physically advanced than what Sean McDermott was going in at that age. Sean's a kid that I'm very familiar with. That's a good comparison. And I'd say. you know, skill set wise, he's he's the same player. He's a little thicker. Athletically, they're about the same. Um, I think Sean probably coming in is a little spring year, but uh, doesn't really translate much until his junior year when he's got the, f- the physical ability, the strength to, to compete for rebounds and traffic. Um, but Brooks, who's a core junior all-star, so it's not like he's completely under the radar, but again, he falls in. And it's not even about some of these other guys are better. It's just that some of these other guys are getting more – more press, and some of it's because Barnheiser's new. This is only his second year in Indiana. Right, uh, back in Indiana. Lafayette, Jeff. They were, yeah, back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, from a family perspective, but even before they were here, they were up at what Calumet or Whiting, right? Uh, um, Mishawaka, or I'm sorry, Elkhart. Elkhart. Mishawaka, Elkhart. Yeah, it's been a long time yes. since they've been in Central Indiana, and. You know, he's a, he's a kid that, um, you know, they, they weren't great last year. 
They definitely were good this year. They were they were really good this year. But then getting beat in the in the sectional, right? Um, or did they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it seems like it's so long ago. Holy it cow! But but them, um, you know, he's he's a core junior all star. He's just he's going to be a kid that again from an attention standpoint is is going to compete with some of these other guys and and that's really what we're talking about right now it's not necessarily about recruiting because his recruiting is there with butler northwestern right ball state evans right. the guys you named and western kentucky so um one more guy i want to get to from southern indiana i guess i've become the southern indiana advocate is, is jake heiderbreeder and i mean i guess this whole segment could just be on these wings the, the the twos and the threes in this class it's just ridiculously deep he's another kid six foot four six foot five inch shooting guard from floyd central um got a lot of playing time last year as a sophomore um played some as a freshman some varsity as a freshman and was really poised to have a big you know, poised to have a big spring. And this was going to be an important sp- spring for him. A little bit like Ely in, in that here's a kid that's that's already got an Indiana State offer. He's got a Furman offer. He, here's a kid that has some high majors sniffing around, definitely some multi-bid teams from multi-bid leagues sniffing around. And he really does everything on a court for Floyd Central. He's He's a primary ball handler for them. He's their leading scorer. He can shoot. Finishes in traffic. Um, when he was a sophomore, he absolutely tore apart Lawrence North in the first half of the game. In the second half, they they got him a little bit more under control. But but just to watch him do that as a sophomore um, was really kind of eye opening because those are the types of games, especially when you're you know you live around here, you know, you want to you want to see a great teams from Southern Indiana coming up and playing you know mixed school. I got a little bit of that chip on my shoulder just because I watch it so much and yeah. it's such a good level of basketball. And he, he, not, he not only did he fit in and compete, he was the best player on the floor for 16 minutes. Uh, you know, the second half, Lawrence North was, you know, he didn't quite go crazy, but they also got Kobe Barnes. They also had Kobe Barnes in that team. So it wasn't like he was going to completely dominate the whole game. I mean, once they shifted attention to him, Kobe started having a good half and, and if I remember correctly, Floyd Central snuck away with a victory. But you know, again, Dad's six foot nine, played at Southport High School. Uh, so those around here who remember that those really good Southport teams in the late '80s, in 1990, um, they would tell you that they should have beaten Bedford and, and should have played for a state championship. Um, so he, he comes from good stock physically, and probably has a little bit more room to grow in him. But right now, just a, just an extremely versatile player at six foot four. Have you had a chance to see him play? I have not. That would be somebody else I need no. to get on the list to check out. Hopefully. All right, man, your turn. Uh, I'm going to go with Darrell Reed from Hammond High School. Yes, up here in the region. He's six seven, tremendous body, so strong already. Uh, just got a offer the other day from Detroit has a UIC offer as well. Uh, other than that, sounds like things are going pretty slow for him at this point. Uh, I'm not sure what he does summer team wise either. If you go young and restless. Oh, okay. <laughs> Evidently. Um, I think that's what they're why in our basketball. I just, I actually just looked it up as you were, as you were talking about him earlier, yeah, young and reckless. Young and reckless. Sorry, not young and restless. That's a soap <laughs> opera. Young, young and restless. It's a group out of Chicago. They're they're pretty good. They they usually have their fair share of athletes. And and just watching what little I did get a chance to see him play. Actually, that first what Saturday, Saturday the regionals, um, moping around at home, licking my wounds. I was uh, decided to watch some of the the games from the sectional. And I watched the Hammond Calumet game. Oh, okay. So got a chance to watch a lot of guys in that game. Yeah, so that you did. was that was one advantage of uh, ITSA streaming app 
which I highly recommend, by the way, people. There's a lot of good games on that app. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't know much about him. I, I know he didn't do much away from the rim. So that would be my one question yeah. with him. And, 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 and I would agree. You've seen him more. Is, is that part of his I game? Would, I would agree like, with that also just, is 15 in, maybe 12 in is all. He's going to get your garbage put back rebounds. He's going to run the floor, dunk the ball. Uh, very big on hustling. Uh, just, but he's under the radar, like we've been talking about. Different skill sets than other kids that, that have been on my list, though, being a, a power forward, probably. Uh, and like you said, closer to the basket kind of guy. I I don't know that he can shoot it outside of 12, 12 feet. Yeah, I didn't see it that game. Yeah. But, you know, he's he played – he was so active that game that pretty much anything that – that even looked like it was coming off the rim, he rebounded. So, um, DJ Hughes from Lawrence North. You know, it's, it's there's a kid that didn't make the junior all star team. And of all the guys that were omitted, I mean, I think he's a strong case to be on it. Um, but again, it's, it's a crowded field. This class, that, that's how good it is. This kid's. Got six Division One offers already: IUPUI, Western Illinois, New Orleans, Moorhead State, Toledo, and Ball State. And that kid doesn't make the junior all-star team. And it's, and it's not like that—that's a kid living on summer laurel. Sometimes you get kids like I coached a kid from Lawrence North in the mid two thousands who went to Western Michigan, got his first scholarship offer before he ever played his first varsity game. And six seven could shoot a little bit. Was really jumped really well. Um, Donald Cloutier was his name, and, and you know he played with Odin and Conley and Brandon McPherson and all those guys, and and just waiting on his chance as a couple of guys graduated ahead of him. And you know DJ is. I hope Don's not you know doesn't get offended by this. DJ is way more talented physically, more athletic. Um, but he's a kid that is transitioning his game from a from a pure post to a forward to a wing, and it's a guy whose whose shots improved, his his ball handling has improved from year to year, really from season to season, and I mean from like school season to summer to school season. So I view those as that as season to season, and another kid that was going to get a chance this spring to to show how his game had improved. He, he did have a glimpse of it this year for Lawrence North as much as they dominated teams. His ability to score off the drive was really impressive. Um, he did not ignore the post, so he still scored up in post-ups or still scored in post-ups. So it wasn't like he was trying to float, uh, which is what a lot of kids do who, who try to convince people that they're not post players. <laughs> so he really was versatile for Lawrence North. And, and I love that he's taken the defense of the floor really seriously. And he, he, he's really improved his work ethic and his on-court, his motor on the court. And um, I think the more he shows perimeter-wise, I know I'm stating the obvious at this point, but the more he will show uh, perimeter-wise, the, the, the better or bigger, maybe not better, but the bigger the offer he would get. But those are good schools that, that have taken chances on kids like that and are going to put him in a situation where he can expand his game and, and be a more, a more leave, graduate as a more versatile player and then probably have a chance to play professionally somewhere in the world, in the, especially in this client or in this climate. So many different professional leagues. Oh, no doubt. Had you seen him much? Uh, no, I had not. Like uh, you gave that little plug to IHSAA. I got. I. That's about all I've got to see of anybody down in your way recently here. So yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. I mean, even the the first Lawrence Central game, the game at LC, he does some really nice things that game. And what I like about him is he, he takes the defensive challenge, and. That game was that game was really fun to watch. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Yeah, and um, it's not easy getting in Lawrence Central's gym when they're packed because it's that it, it, it's like a bottleneck in their parking lot, and it's it's not a it's not a great 
driving environment, getting in and getting out of there. Um, but that gain was worth every second of it and, and worth every step to get to the door. So uh, you got anybody else up in your area? Um, not really up in my area. Uh, just one other guy I was kind of thinking about would, would be uh, Gus Etchison. We mentioned him last yeah. week about the snub, potential snub, depending who you are. Uh, he's just somebody I feel like is very athletic, very shifty, good with the ball, good shooter, not afraid to go up against anybody. Just a hard-nosed kid. Uh, Western Michigan, Incarnate World, only offers. Uh, just kind of find that curious. Well, you know, both both have Indiana ties. Um, right. Well, sort of. Western Michigan recruits Indiana extremely well. Yeah, and then Carson, um, Carson Incarnate, obviously. Yeah, Car- Carson Cunningham, yeah, head coach at Incarnate World, yeah. You know, the, Gus's deal, I think, is – when he was younger, it was how well is he going to shoot? And I, and I think now with school ball, sometimes it's um, he, he's a he's a different player when he's surrounded by more talent. And I don't mean to take anything away from Heights kids, but and like a lot of point guards, he's a different player when he has size to go with him. And that's that's a big deal for a point guard. I, I think a good point guard needs a good big man. And yeah, I agree. There just isn't really any of that you know they've, they've got cam not there who's a, who's a, a, a really underrated athlete good score um and then they've got a couple of other kids who really are probably better suited to play the point um you know and and so that gives him some opportunities to play off the ball but in the summer he's just a pure point guard and and you watch him even just in the, the fall league that that i run here in indianapolis when he's playing with guys like, you know, J.R. Kineski and, and he's he's playing with that group, with uh, Kurt Hope, the group that he played with, he's just a different player. But he's also still the player who can explode up and dunk on a guy. Right. And he's also a player whose outside shot is expanding. And I, and I think that he'll, he'll end up being a kid that he could be one of those guys, you hate to say it I, as much as I hate this rule, He'll be one of those guys that go to goes to like a Western Michigan, has three really good years, and, and then goes to a Big Ten school as a grad as a grad transfer. And you'll you'll wonder why, you know, ath- because athletically he has everything he needs. I mean, and he's and he's got a good body. He's not weak. He's not a kid that you look at and wonder if he's going to be able to keep weight on. He's not a kid you look at. He he doesn't get knock on wood. He doesn't get hurt. Um, he's. <laughs> If nothing else, he proved how mentally and emotionally tough he is. Oh, for sure. With the kind of year he had, you know. And um, I don't know why some of these other schools haven't gotten involved. Um, so you, I can only tell you that sometimes when you're recruiting a point guard, you're looking for certain things, you know. And, and he doesn't always get to do that when he's at heights because he has to score the ball. Right. He has to do things for them. The ball – He's he's the guy that makes plays for them, and, and sometimes the ball sticks. And I don't know that that's a criticism because I think that's how they kind of need him to play. Exactly, they need that for to him, win right. to win games, you know. And and so now you look at it from a summer perspective, which again I think a lot of these kids we've named are probably kids that kind of get hurt by not being able to play in the spring. Um, you know these he gets a chance to show his, hey, I'm a point guard. I mean, he was, he was set to play for EG10 this summer. He would get to play with guys like, you know, DJ Hughes. You know, that's going to be a big guy for him to get involved. Oh, right. You know, and I don't mean a, I don't mean a big guy in terms of a big man, but that's another really, really talented kid that he's going to help. He'll have a chance to help make better um, by, by being a distributor and, and also being a guy who can create shots for others. And I think that's the part, that second part is comes easy for him. The, distrib- the distributing part, I think, sometimes is what slows him down, is the ball gets stuck in his hands. And that I think that improves when he gets a chance to play with more talent. So, And then to you, how does he compare to like a Luke Brown? Because I feel like Luke is kind of the same way, where, where Blackford is totally depending on him to score for them. 
I mean, shooting wise, I feel like they're comparable, but I just feel like Gus is a little more athletic than Luke. Well, Gus is a little bit more athletic than everybody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it seems it it seems like um, I'm not in the the uh, vertical measuring business, but I'm going to guess he's on the high end. Um, but you know, I don't know. I I think I think Gus has the ability to impact more plays. I think his athleticism takes hold. I think Luke has improved athletically. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I wonder how much Luke's, you know, assist totals get elevated because he's probably doubled a lot and he does find people. Yeah. And, again, that's another kid that on his school team, the ball sticks with him, and it has to if they're going to win. Again, not a criticism. But – but sometimes you wonder how much of that translates. Now, Luke is a superior shooter. Um, so that's – teams will value that at premium. And Luke's a better shooter than most any kid. So he has the advantage there. But I think that's – it's not like Gus – I mean, Gus is, a, is an above-average shooter, and he's getting close to being a plus shooter. And – you know, it's it's weird. I didn't get a chance. I only saw Hamilton Heights play once this year and didn't get a chance to see Blackford play at all. Um, but the um, – I don't know. I You know, comparison-wise, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either, especially at the mid-major level. I know there's some IU fans that think IU should be on a Luke Brown. I, I don't think that's – something I would jump on board with right now, especially if I was Indiana, I'd need to see more. If I was a high major school, I would need to see more from both these kids. Um, but that's not a knock on them. That's just a different conversation. So I don't know who I would take um, between those two. It, it just really depends on what the, the makeup of the rest of your team is. Right. You know, if I needed somebody who was going to be able to get downhill and create shots, I'd take Gus. If I needed somebody who could really stand outside and hit shots and, and not that Luke doesn't do other things, but but Luke's a better shooter. Gus is much better downhill, and I think that's the difference. So a lot of it depends on the makeup of your team. Let's see, that was your guy, right? Yes. So my last one is sort of is at least the last one that I want to talk about. You you feel free to add more here at the end. Uh, Connor Hickman, Bloomington North. Now here's a guy, or Bloomington South. Sorry, wow, I almost started a fight there probably. Um, Evansville offer, Bradley offer, Furman, Elon. I, I think that list is going to grow. He's a kid that good at, good athlete, very good shooter, high, high IQ, probably the most complete decision maker slash shot creator of the, the guys we've talked about, like in Gus Etchison, Luke Brown, guys like that. Um, I think he he runs a team – and again, but he plays with more talent at Bloomington South. You know, he plays Mr. Basketball. He also played alongside of another Division One point guard. So that's that's a situation, that's a system where the ball never sticks. Yep. And it just looks it looks better coming off his hands. You look at the things Connor does for Bloomington South, and you can easily see that translate to a higher level. And with the way he shoots the ball, um, again, that's that's – very much a positive part of his game. You know, defensively, you know, that he's not always playing against the best athletes, but but I've never seen him in a situation where he couldn't handle it, where he couldn't handle his position defensively. And in the summer, he's pretty much a pure point. So, you know, he's had a chance to do that at a high level against against competition. And it's just a kid that, you know, again, there's so much talent in this class. And and when you're playing with Mr. Basketball, when you're playing with another senior who's who's you know who's a really good player, sometimes you get overlooked. And you know Connor Hickman to me is one of the top five or six point guards in the in the, in the junior class. Had you if you did you see South? You didn't get a chance to see South at all, nope. even, even on video. Nope, I haven't nope. seen them on video either. No. Um, did you have anybody else? Um. Not, not really. Uh, maybe one more name I could throw in there. Or another region kid that's in this class. It was getting way overlooked. 
Luca Balich from Munster. Yeah. Um, not sure. I don't think he has any offers. Just a solid all-around player. Uh, I haven't really seen a breakout game from him where I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, that's that's impressive. But he does a few nice things for Munster. Uh, seems to be good at leading them. Decent shot. He's a lefty. Strong. Uh, can play with his back to the basket a little bit. Uh, but again, like you've mentioned with defensively, they, Munster plays that zone, so you're really not sure what you're going to get out of him there, even though he seems like a kind of kind of kid that's going to get after you on defense. And I, I think that's the kind of things that the back-to-basket stuff, you know, that's something that at Division One level is probably not going to be too much part of his game. No. Um, and that's – sometimes we talk a lot about, you know, things kids do really well – Sometimes they don't always translate, or or we don't see it translate as easily at the next level. Sure. And what might make a kid effective at one level, you know, you wonder. I mean, certainly, I mean, Munster would they go nineteen and one during the regular season or twenty one and one during the regular season? Yeah, something crazy like that. They were my, they were my pick to get to the state finals. They, you know, they were my pick to beat Carmel. <laughs> Um, so clearly I thought a lot of them, but I'm also a big fan of Mike Hackett. So, you know, I, I like the system as much as I like any of the kids they have. And, and Josh Davis is a kid that I know quite well. Um, Himmelgarn, their, their transfer center from Penn, who's actually from Noblesville, is a kid that I know a little bit about. Um, and, and I know over the last couple of years they've had some kids move in, other kids that have moved in that really helped them. And – you know, they were poised to have a big year, and Balak was going to be a big reason why, because I know he's a he's a kid very important to them offensively. Um, but, you know, he's also a kid that um, he's pretty mature when he was younger. I mean, he was a pretty early maturing kid. And there's there's been a lot of talk, you know, there's a lot of talk about him coming up. And, and you know, what I what I have liked about him is that he has improved his, his overall game. Um but then you see him take advantage of people inside and you just and and probably just know that at least in college it's probably not going to well at certain levels i mean I, there's there'll be a level for him if he wants to if he goes that route there'll be a level for him where he'll get a chance to do that definitely but you know if you if you say he doesn't have any d1 offers it might be that's the discussion you have is what what does he do really well that's going to translate to that next level sure. and and but that's another conversation, you know, so, but he also gets sucked up in the, I mean, he's probably the, what, the fifth or sixth best guard out of the region, maybe? Oh, yeah, probably. Definitely down on that list And still, so, just in the class. Right. In, the, in that class right. alone. And, and that's a pretty good list of kids. So it's, you know, again, that's why we're having this part is talking about kids that are a little under the, under the radar. And I got one more kid left, and that's Jaden Brewer from Avon. You were asking about him earlier. Uh, amazing athlete, six five, handles the ball, plays a lot of point for Avon. He is he is definitely one of their primary ball handlers. Um, he is a defensive stopper. He's a kid that really can play three positions. Certainly can guard three positions, and in certain leagues, probably could guard the four man as well. He's he's defensively as versatile as a kid I've seen in a long time. The one knock on him is his, his, his outside shot. You know, his shot mechanics need a lot of work, but he's also a kid that's going to put in that work. And I saw a couple of their school games this year, and he did hit from the perimeter. So it was in a situation where it was paint or bust for him, which in the past it has been. And he's, he's not been as aggressive getting downhill as he could because I think at times he's, you know, he's wondered about, Am I going to get to the free throw line and hit that shot? That's me speculating. You see kids with that type of athleticism not try to get downhill, you know, when there could be contact, situ- you know, there could be contact opportunities for him. Um, you, you wonder if that's part of their thinking. But he's gotten better at that. And Lord knows when he does get downhill, he's trying to finish through people. He's, he's extremely springy. <laughs> And I, I love watching him play because he plays so hard, and I love watching him play because of the things he can do defensively. 
you asked about him when we were talking about earlier. What did you want to know? Was there was it just um was did I ask about him? You did. I when we were talking before the show. Oh, okay. Before we before we were recording. I think maybe if it wasn't you, maybe it was Nick Bond. Maybe it was Nick. Um you know, we need to get on this podcast going forward here, but but maybe it was Nick that was asking about him and um we were talking about top kids in the class, and he was wondering if, if he had missed anybody. And I said, yeah, Jaden Brewer is definitely a kid that needs to be in that discussion. But, you know, again, it's it's such a stacked class, and, it, and it's the, the wing position is – the twos and the threes are so stacked. I mean, we both have sort of touched on Luke Brown a little bit. He's not part of this discussion just because of the number of offers he's got. Um, it's kind of hard to lead the state in scoring and, and, and be considered under the radar. Yeah, right. Um, but, and he's also a junior all-star, so it's not like he's going without the accolades, but, um, but, um, you know, I think as far as, oh, there was one more kid that I wanted to talk about, um, Malik Stanley out of Warren, you know, as, as good as they've been, you know, he's been the young kid playing with, up with those older guys. And this year he got a chance to take the lead. And, and didn't disappoint. You know, they had a new coach this year, and they um, they lost a lot of kids from last year's team. They lost, you know, obviously they're two years removed from winning a state championship. And when you, you look at the responsibility he had at, at six feet as a point guard to come in and, and lead that group, and not just lead them, but also be, you know, be a guy they expect to score a lot. I, I thought he handled that transition, that step up into a bigger role smoothly. He's a kid that, as I've seen him play more, has gotten better at creating shots for others, distributing the ball. I think defensively, he he is extremely capable. You can see there's sometimes off the ball, he gets a little ball hawkish where he's just looking at the ball and sort of ignoring everything else and trying to make a play and gamble and and when, I guess when you're that quick, you can do that maybe and get away with a little bit more. That would be the only knock on him, um, and and not really a knock. I mean, it's not too big of a knock, but um, because it's not like he lingers in it. So once he knows he misses, he's back in the play. So he's not just trying to – it's not all or nothing for him. But I love his outside shot, and he's a kid that gets downhill. He, he's excellent off ball screens. Um, he, you can't go underneath the screen because he'll hit that shot, and if you crowd him, he'll get by you, and then he'll find people. And and the problem with Warren this year was they didn't have a lot of size. You know, even though they have not played with a lot of size in the past, they've had guys who are physical and who can finish inside. And this year they didn't necessarily have that guy. So it was pretty much – once he got down to the paint area, he's going to have to finish the play um, or kick it out. There was nobody to drop it off to to, to make it make it a little bit easier for him. Nobody really to soak up any any gravity on defense when he has the ball. And I, the times I saw him play this year, I just thought he was extremely efficient and really loved the way he plays. So had you, have you had a chance to see him yet? No, I haven't either. No? Nope. Well, we both we both need to do a better job of <laughs> seeing other kids, kids from other parts of the state. Um, maybe that's the testament of how good of a job you've done up there. Is I've not had it needed to go down there, and you've not needed to come down here. But um, I like the group of guys you have. I, I've seen a couple of them, um, and a couple more even on video, and um, it's it's good talking about kids that we don't normally get to talk a lot about oh, because because they they deserve the attention too. And it's it's easy to talk about, you know, these kids that are getting high major offers and, and you know, we need to focus on everybody as much as we can. And and there's probably a tier of kids lower than this group. I mean, we didn't talk about Blake Sisley. Um, we obviously, there's a lot of kids we didn't talk about who are getting a lot more, who are still getting a lot more attention. Um, you know, Luke Good's a kid that hasn't committed yet. Obviously, kids like Kalen First, Lincoln Hale, you know, J.R. JR Kineski, Christian Lander, those guys have already committed. The two Butler kids have already committed. 
I think our goal, I mean, obviously everybody knows Trey Kaufman. I think our goal from here was to really talk about the, that next lower layer of kid that right that isn't getting a lot of, isn't getting a lot of press. Sure. That does it for episode three of the Courtside Indiana podcast. I want to thank Zach Tyler for his participation, especially on Northern Indiana kids. Our next podcast will come later this week as we talk about how COVID nineteen is impacting the recruiting process, especially for incoming seniors. And Zach will go through a, a rundown of incoming prospects into the Crossroads Leagues. If you haven't already found us on Apple Podcasts, our podcast is located there now. You can subscribe there and and rate us, hopefully with five stars. And also you can find us on Spotify. And if you need any more information on our website or or these podcasts, you can check us out at courtsideindiana.com. Thank you for listening.